Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, here with your other host, Richard Geiger. Hello. Today we have a fantastic episode for you. We have a guest with us that is a writer of comic books, a man of comic books, a man about town, most recently about Chicago, but you know, uh, other places too. Mr. John Parrish, welcome. Uh, Thank you. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. So we were able to run into you at NWI Comic-Con a a few weeks back and were impressed with uh, the work that we were able to see with what you had. And we were hoping uh, for our listeners you could give us just a little bit of description of who you are and what you do, and we'll go from there. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, uh, My name is John Parrott. I am a comic book writer from Northwest Indiana and the Pacific. Uh, I've been, I've always wanted to make comics. I've been thinking about it and trying to figure out how to do it since high school. Uh, Finally made my first comic around the time I graduated from college uh, and have been making comics, writing comics, uh, almost roughly eight or nine years. Uh, Got a little more serious about, you know, marketing myself going to conventions in 2015 uh, and just been, you know, working on it, plugging away ever since. Excellent. So yeah. you, you've been a fan of comic books for a while then? Ah, yes, yes. Um, when I was really young, uh, like my dad was really into comics, and, you know, he showed me different kinds of comics. So, uh, like, I read a lot of Spider-Man that was, you know, could find that like anywhere so like i wouldn't pick that up at like the grocery store or the pharmacy i could get copies of you know amazing spider-man spectacular spider-man web of spider-man like all those titles um but he also showed me like you know collected editions of like calvin and Hobbes, and so i just always loved just the art and the you know the combination of art and words uh just to a really good degree and i it was something i always wanted to do uh at some point so, what is the name of your uh, of your favorite comic uh, character? I mean, is it, is it Spider-Man? Is that kind of what that, that you fixated on? Because I know when I was a kid, you know, when I was young, young, it was the Hulk, because Hulk could smash. Were, mm-hmm. were you definitely a Spider-Man kind of guy then? Um, I, yeah, I'd say so. I think, I think it was, like, in terms of just, like, comics, like in general it was probably spider-man but i think in terms of just like superheroes and like you know like the old cartoons and things of that nature it's probably like wolverine i think wolverine was probably my favorite but it was harder to find for some reason like i didn't get to go to comic book shops as often so like there was more spider-man that i could find than like x-men comics if that made sense so i just there was always Spider-Man comics, so that was usually what I was able to pick up and get my hands on. But in terms of just overall, like, media, uh, growing up, I was a really big fan of, like, Wolverine and, like, you know, the X-Men, um, specific, yeah, specifically Wolverine. No, I've I've always loved Calvin and Hobbes too. I think I think that one's fun. You mentioned that that one earlier. I think that one's pretty attainable too. But uh, did you yeah. did you notice that? I, I guess I was in the same boat too. I always felt that X Men, the X Men universe, was a little bit more mm-hmm. attainable 
as far as being able to find content for it, including things on uh, the like the cartoons that are on TV. Is that some? Is that another reason that you gravitated towards them? Uh, yeah, I, I just like I said, like because I didn't have access to like a local comic book shop. Like a lot of my love of like like growing up, like watching superheroes and watching like things that came from comics. Uh, usually was through other mediums. So it's like, yeah, like the, uh, like there was like the Iron Man cartoons that, I mean, they weren't fantastic, but they, you know, I could find them on TV. Um, X-Men, you could find X-Men cartoons. There were X-Men arcade games. There was, you know, there was so much out there beyond just the comic books. Whereas like if I went to like the pharmacy or I went somewhere to like look through the magazine rack and try to find like, a comic book I could pick up. It, was, it felt like I could find like Spider-Man more easily. Um, so usually that was what I picked up. Um, and usually, I, and when I say what I picked up is like what my mother approved of because like I think Image was out, but a lot of stuff was a little more uh, brutal for probably that she then she would want me to be looking at. Speaking of things that children should not necessarily be. Uh listening to i will give the briefest of warnings and we'll probably put something in the description we're now going to speak a little bit about some of the work that you've done and you know sometimes language okay. is an issue for some people <laughs> not for me I, yeah. I don't really care but the uh the, the titles that uh that come to mind when looking at your work uh secrets and shadows and clusterfuck yes tell tell me a little bit about that or those i guess um Okay, um, Secrets and Shadows was actually the first comic I actually uh, made. Uh, I'd always, like, written comic book scripts, and I had a bunch of stuff. Like like I said, I've been doing it since, like, I was in high school. But I finally, like, around the time I was getting ready to leave, uh, graduate from college, I finally just came to the idea or conclusion that I was going to make a comic. And so I came up with this comic, uh, which what became Secrets and Shadows, where it was, like, a superhero story, and it was... Uh, takes place in a city that hasn't had a supervillain in about five years. And basically because of that, the heroes kind of get kind of complacent and kind of lazy. Um, and in the course of the story, like a real villain shows up and they're not prepared. And so basically he just starts taking them out one by one. And it's about the heroes having to figure out how to stop them, who he is. And there's like, you know, different elements of drama and relationships between certain characters that kind of, it's uh, explored within that. And it focuses on a character who is father is essentially like the city's greatest hero. And he kind of has a like disdain for that life. So he kind of lives off and does his own thing. It's like a dishwasher somewhere. And as the story goes on, he kind of has to decide if he's going to like step up or if he's going to, you know, kind of keep this simple life that he's liked and that he's, you know, wanted to have for so long. Um, and that's Secrets and Shadows. And uh, Clusterfuck is a comic. It actually started uh, from a story I used to write in high school uh, to, like, entertain my friends because we didn't really pay attention in U.S. history class. So I would write these stories just to make, like, two of the guys and, like, that sat behind me laugh. And so it started out as just, like, an exaggeration of who we were and, like, these wacky adventures, and I'd, like, write about the day we had, and then I'd bring it back and let them read it. Um, 
And I think uh, after I finished Speakers by Shadows, I just wanted to do something a little bit more fun, a little bit more um, not as serious. You know, I was like, with Secrets and Shadows, it was such a, it was much more serious book. So I wanted to do something fun, and so I, I just immediately looked at that and remembered having so much fun writing characters and uh, creating that world and being able to let loose a little bit. So I uh, made that book, and at the time, I didn't have a title um, for the story. And so I remember I was talking to my editor, and he was like, well, you need to make a title. And I remember in my mind, like, all this stuff was happening around me as I was writing it, and I just remember thinking, like, everything was such a clusterfuck. And it fit the story so well that I was like, oh, that that's the title. And it worked, so... Now I I kind of had noticed that when you said you when you got done with school and got done with uh, college you you moved to uh, Japan is that right? Yeah, uh, about a year I think I, I after I graduated I worked in my hometown for like a year and then like roughly a year after like so like yeah 2010 I, June 2010 I got. I uh, left and went to work in Japan for about two years. And and that what was that was the time frame you you were uh, teaching English uh, over there, right? Mm-hmm. And was that is that the time frame that you were writing a large portion of your uh, Secrets and Shadows? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, that that was actually yeah one of the big things was that uh, getting that job in Japan actually gave me the money that I could finance the book uh, and pay the artist and pay the people because I think we had, like, the year, the job I got immediately out of college, I could fund the book, but it just took so much longer because I didn't make that much. And um, so it just took longer to write or longer to pay the artist and get the money together. But when the job in Japan came through, um, it paid really well, and my cost of living was really low. Like, my apartment, I think my rent was, like, like roughly, like, maybe $90 a month. <laughs> wow. And so, like, I had a lot of money that I could kind of save up and send to pay the artists and get the books made, and we were able to just, like, get it done a lot faster. I think I the book got done maybe, like, a year faster than I thought it would like then I thought it would just because of how much money I was able to uh, accumulate and save up and, you know, how quickly I was able to pay the artist on the books. So, it, yeah, I, but I primarily worked on that when I was in Japan. And then I think I wrote a little bit of maybe the first three issues of Clusterfuck while I was there too, like maybe in my second year before I left, I wrote, a, I at least wrote the first three issues. Did Did any of that time living there have an influence on what you were writing for, for, for both of those works? Um, I think Secrets and Shadows and not so much. I think I, I might have finished writing or had been at the end of writing the scripts for the book um, maybe when I first got to Japan. Like, or I, maybe I'd been in Japan for at least a couple months. Um. A clusterfuck, most definitely. Like, one of the reasons I wrote it was just, like, there was just so much going on. Like, um, around that time, like, 2011, like, there was a tsunami that hit Japan. And so I was living on the coast, and so I was living in an area that was affected by that. 
Um, so dealing with that and dealing with um, just different things about the job had, you know, become frustrating. Um, I think like a little bit, like a, like a little bit a year after the tsunami, like my father died. So it was just like all this stuff happening in that second year of being in Japan that made it kind of rough. So it was like I needed to do something a little bit more upbeat. Um, and I think subconsciously some of that stuff came out in the book where it's kind of about not necessarily knowing what's going on. Sometimes there's stuff going on and you don't really understand what's going on and it's just like all this chaos, but you kind of have to just make the best of it and deal with it. Because um, in Clusterfuck, like Jim and Carl, the main characters, they don't really know what's going on. Like they don't really know the full scope of what happens or why the conflict that's going on in the story is happening. They just know people are trying to like attack them and stuff, but they, I don't think they ever really fully understand, but they're just dealing with it the best they can. Um, so I think that kind of came from that. Like in hindsight, like when I looked back, I was like, oh, maybe that's why I wrote it like that. Now, while you were in Japan, did you have the opportunity to visit Akihabara? Um, no. No, I, I didn't. I, I, I'll be honest, I was really uh, very boring when I was in Japan. <laughs> I uh, went and I think I only went like a couple places. I usually pretty much stayed in like the area where my like job was. Um, I think I went to Tokyo and I went a couple, like I went to like Tokyo with some friends like around my birthday and then I went to Sapporo for like the big festival where they have like those massive snow sculptures. Mm, fun. And I think I think that was really it. Like I was really boring. Like people are always would always ask like, "Oh, are you gonna go here? Are you gonna go to Kyoto? Are you gonna go to all these places?" And I was like, "No." And I'd ask why, and I'd be like, "Well, I always said I, I wanted to see Japan, and so I was living there. So I kind of was like, well, every day I open my door, I see Japan." So I was like more focused on doing my job. Kind of makes sense to me. Eventually, I, I think I will personally have to make a trip. Uh, one of the largest conglomeration of manga and anime all in one spot. I, I can imagine yeah. that that would be a uh, kind of a, a playground for anybody that was interested in that kind of a that kind of a geeky thing, like I I occasionally can be. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, I, I think I was, and I think, like, when we went on, the, like, on the trip, like, because when we went to Tokyo, um, we might have gone through, but we didn't stay. Like, I think we, like, we might have, like, looked around, but, like, we didn't, like, really get into it. But it was, like, a bunch of stuff that happened, like, during the trip. So it was, like, some people had gotten sick, and there was, like, a lot of stuff, like, so it was kind of, we were kind of on a schedule because it was, like, uh I think two of my friends from there, they were, we all went to Tokyo and from there they were going on a vacation and then me and someone else who had never really been outside of, who had never really been traveling, we're, ha- we're going to have to find our way back from Tokyo. And we hadn't really traveled there. Like, like the people who were leaving were the people who were our guides. So we were kind of trying to figure stuff out and figure out how to, how we're going to get home after they left. Um, but, you know, I think if I get the chance to go back, I would probably be more, I mean, I would be more inclined because I wouldn't have a job that I was, like, incredibly focused on there. 
I would, you know, allow myself to be a tourist and do more touristy things, if that makes sense. That makes absolute sense to me. So, okay, we were talking about meeting you at NWI, and we were talking a little bit off of the air, as it were, uh, before we started (laughs) about uh, conventions and the like. And it's a staple of anybody that's trying to uh, get their brand out there and do something with their work. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got back from C2E2 uh, in Chicago. How did that go? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a really good show. It's probably, uh, like, for the longest time, it was, like, the top of conventions I actually wanted to, you know, sell my books at. Um, I think I'd gone to maybe two conventions just as a fan, um, pre- prior to the first E2E2, I think I went to the first E2E2, uh, to a, my first E2E2 back in 2013. Um, maybe like, yeah, I'd only been back from Japan for maybe a year or so. And um, I think I did like another convention and I didn't have a real time, like just, it was just really congested. It was really crowded. Um, it was hard to find what I was looking for. And so it kind of, made me be like, oh, this isn't good. And then I went to see 2 e And just, it was just like like night and day. Like I had a great time there. I enjoyed um, just seeing so many people, uh, just the layout. I could find the artists and the creators that I wanted to see. And it just seemed, I don't know, it just the vibe was so much better that after I went that first time, I was like, okay, I'm going to come back and one day I'm going to, uh, saw my books here and that was the goal because I think at that point I hadn't even been to a convention as a comic book creator I had just gone as a fan and so that immediately became something I wanted to do um, so yeah I love C2E2 it's, it's, it's like it can be a bit hectic because it's so many people and it's probably the largest show I've ever like worked um, but I, I always like the last two years I've done it um I've always come out feeling really energized, really, you know, excited about comic books and excited about what I'm doing. And and it's great to see people that, you know, maybe I sold to them at NWICon or I sold to them, you know, they bought one of my books at a show somewhere else that will come and say like, oh, I bought your book, you know, years ago and it was really good and I really enjoyed it. You know, what do you have? And just... That, I don't know, it was just like a really good feeling. It, it, sometimes I think when people make comics, it takes a while to see the, to get the validation or to get the recognition because you work on the book for so long and then it comes out. Um, and then even when it comes out, you might not get that recognition immediately. So sometimes it's like good to have it where, you know, having people come up and say, oh, you're John Parrish and they know who I am. That like blows my mind every time. Um, but yeah, C2E2 definitely left me feeling like really energized and excited about you know what I was doing and picking comics. Uh, and I, I always love it. Like even if I don't, if I didn't go again, like for some reason I couldn't sell my books there, I definitely go again just as a fan, just to go and just enjoy the atmosphere because it's just always such a fun time. Do you think that living in this area, you know, particularly in uh, Northwest Indiana in Chicago has 
kind of made that uh, process of creating, uh, made the process of marketing a lot easier. I, I just feel like we're in a pretty good corridor here where it goes from Chicago to Indy. Um, you got Milwaukee and mm-hmm. just like there's just a lot that tends to go on in this little patch, this little area right through here. Almost definitely. Like there's a lot of like really good shows because I, I haven't done Indiana Comic Con the last two years because they were like for so long they were just really close to P2E2. So I think before I went to P2E2, I did Indiana Comic Con maybe the year before I did P2E2, so maybe like three years ago. But um, there, and you know, there are multiple smaller conventions that like NWI Con that you know you get to meet not only uh, local creators that maybe you might not have seen if you just did you know bigger shows. Like you also get to see you know lots of local fans and, and kind of cultivate you know people that you will see that you know maybe they'll check out your stuff because you're from the same area or you're from the same uh, you know. Like if I, if I go down to Indianapolis or somewhere, it's like you're from the same state, but there's that, oh, this person is local, they're from here. Um, but it's like there's just a large amount of, you know, conventions, big and small, within this area. And like, yeah, living, like I live just, living just outside of Chicago, like there's tons of conventions, there's tons of shows, there's tons of comic book shops. Like it's a really good area to be in that I feel like sometimes maybe I don't fully utilize as much as I should, but it's something I'm getting better with. Um, you know, I'm trying to get better at and do better at. So, takes time. Does it always, uh, does it also serve potentially as a tool to meet some of the artists that you may want to collaborate with on some of your work, or do you tend to use other avenues for that? Um, like I've, I've met a lot of artists. Uh, like I, I, when I started, what I did was I met when I would look for artists. Usually, I just asked people that I knew because, like I said, I was making comics or trying to figure out how to make comics in high school, and so I was on like message boards. So what I used to do was I would find people through the connections I made on those message boards. Um, and, like, that's how I actually met, like, the artists for Secrets and Shadows. Both of, the, both of the artists that worked on that were through recommendations from, like, my editor, who I also met on that, uh, on a message board. I think it was, it was digitalwebbing.com. That's what I used to frequent. Um, and so I, I'm getting more into trying to find people that I can, can collaborate with. But at first, when I didn't really know anyone, I didn't really go to any shows. I tried to reach out to, like, connections I'd already made and people I interacted with, you know, through the Internet. Um, But I think, you know, as time goes on, uh, and I meet a lot of really incredible artists, like, even if I don't have anything for them now, I do, like, take their card. And I do, like, kind of have, like, a little Rolodex or a little uh, of sorts next to my computer that I can look at artists and be like, oh, this person, I really like their stuff. And if I come up with a new idea or I have a new story that I might, that I feel fits their style, then I can create, you know, I can um, reach out to them. And I think it, it might, and it'll make a difference because I, a lot of the artists I've worked with do live overseas and a lot of the artists that were recommended to me were in other countries. So it's people I haven't, you know, sat down across from a table with or, have seen eye to eye 
you know, met in person. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to, to do in the future. That's understandable. I rarely see eye to eye with anybody. So it, it works out, <laughs> though, eventually. Yeah, well, I mean, when I say eye to eye, I mean, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I got to have a little fun with you. <laughs> So, no, that's who is uh, who is somebody you really kind of geeked about their style right now? I know my my tastes change over time, but there there are some people I go back to, and occasionally I'll just find somebody, and you know, at, for a while I'm just infatuated with the way that they they do their work. Do you have anybody like that? Oh, uh, you mean like an artist? Yeah. Oh, um, let me see. You mean like a big artist, uh, like uh, hey, anybody? Everything somebody? is fair game here. I put you on the spot to come up with a name, so you, you can be anybody. Um, I know, like an artist, like I haven't really been like super paying attention to a lot of like books, but the art, like an artist, I always uh, used to think was really cool and like really like their style was uh, uh, Humberto Ramos. Mm. Um, he's done a lot of cool stuff. I really, I just like his style. Of, like I always had a, like growing up, I kind of like like that animated style. That kind of had like a manga type of feel for it. Because um, I remember when I was a kid, I picked up like I looked through like a vampire book he did. Um, it's called like Crimson or something. But I just always thought it was a really cool style, a really cool look. Um, and then I think uh, artists who, like, I haven't I haven't read the book in a while, but I really thought had a really cool style was um, uh, Mateo, uh, Mateus Clara. He did like he, he was on Black Science. Mm. I think. Yeah, I think the, like like those are artists whose like stuff I always like that was really interesting. And like in terms of artists, like like independent artists and like. Indie guys, like, I mean, I love the people that I've worked with. Like, I think uh, I work like, the artist, one of the artists on Secrets and Shadows, Dexter Wee, I think his art is, like, really good. And, like, the stuff that he does is just really phenomenal. Um, as well as, like, the guy that does Cluster Pluck is uh, Diego Toro. And he does a lot of great stuff. And just being able to work with both of them over the years and see their style uh, grow and evolve and, and, and just all the stuff that they can do is just really cool to me. Uh, I just like the, the the dynamic stuff that both of them can do, and they both have a very different style. But I, you know, the stuff that they can, like the stuff I write that they can make happen, is just really cool. Just to see like words that I wrote uh, become these full images and be better than anything I could ever like imagine in my head. All right, so I've got I got some hard hitting questions here. Right? <laughs> um, uh, you you had, uh, obviously you're in uh, kind of a a pizza zone, right? In, in Northwest Indiana, Chicago area. Um, yeah. Are you are you a, are you a pizza eater? Yeah. Okay, so yes. do you have like what is your favorite? Like, do you have a favorite place to go to, or do you have like a favorite style of pizza? Um, the favorite place to go to, uh, let's see, there were, there are a couple, like, in, like, in Hammond, there are a couple different pizza places. Um, one that, like, uh, you know, I try to order, like, if I, if I can, if I, 
if I can afford it, and I really feel like, you know, I want to, you know, like I really just want a pizza and I want to get like what I really love is there's a place called Barton's, uh, I think it's Barton's Pizzeria. There's one in, in Hammond. Um, I really enjoy it, and I'll be honest, like I said, I'm very boring, so it's like just pepperoni and sausage, like, <laughs> together, um, maybe Italian sausage, uh, you know, every now and then, you know, we'll throw stuff on there, like mushrooms and peppers, but like I said, I'm very, I'm kind of, I'm very, like, not a picky eater, but I'm just very, I don't try to make, I keep things simple, um, but I like that, that uh, there's a place, it's called I think it's Eduardo's, and then they do deep dish pizza, and so they had one, and uh, it had like mushrooms and uh, green peppers, and like I don't remember what it's called. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but it was um, really good. So I, I, I don't, I like deep dish pizza. I like, um, like, you know, like flat. I don't know. Like like a, like a pan. Whatever. I like. Yeah. What about are you are you a thin crust person? Um, Some important questions here. Yeah, I, <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. I have. I, I I'll be honest. When it comes to pizza, I'm not really uh, like in. When it comes to like pizza and pizza crust, like I'm not really picky. Like I'll eat dish. I'll eat thin crust. I'll you know like whatever there is. I'm not really picky about the style of pizza, and usually I'm not super like picky about the toppings of pizza like if someone had like a specific kind of pizza they wanted and it had like stuff a bunch of stuff on it like onions and uh peppers and mushrooms and like all this stuff on it like i wouldn't like turn my nose at that it's just usually if i make a decision or i pick what kind of pizza i want it's just i just pick simple stuff pineapple on pizza yes or no I think it depends on the amount of pineapple. I think there's, um, there can be too much pineapple, but I I have no I have no problem with pineapple on pizza, as long as it's like, it doesn't get to be like overkill. Gotcha. So yeah, real real hard hitting. This is what I was saying. <laughs> I've got a few more, but I'll go back to Ken with actual real questions. Well, you know, yeah, we, we got to divide it up good. So. Every writer has a group of individuals that have influenced them over the years, whether they mm-hmm. be other comic book writers or uh, more traditional uh, writers. Who are some of the individuals that you look to for inspiration that really that really influenced you? Um, I guess as a writer, I think, like I said, like I read a lot of like Kelvin and Hobbes so as a kid, like that that style, like what like. Um, Bill Watterson did. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I, I like. I always like. Even now, I can go back and read some Kelvin and Hobbes, and that'll make me smile. Um, in terms of like, and then in like superhero comics, I think when I was like, I kind of stopped reading a lot of like main like DC Marvel comics. I stopped reading a lot of Western comics around high school that's like when anime like manga started showing up and it was like in all the barns and nobles and borders and stuff like that um but when i was uh in college i had a friend and he was like he showed me like a bunch of other stuff and so he showed me some books uh you know he showed me sandman um and a bunch of you know other books that kind of brought me back into comics but one of the books i kind of picked out myself 
was uh, Powers. And so I, I liked, you know, Brian Michael Bendis' stuff, and I really liked uh, what it was. The, there were three books I picked out. It was, um, like, I think I picked up I, I picked up Powers, and then, like, one of my, my roommate read it, so then I didn't have to buy it anymore. So I would just read his. Hmm. And then uh, three Vertigo books I picked up. It was, like, 100 Bullets, Fables, and Why the Last Man. And so, like, uh, yeah, so those were three books I really enjoyed, and three books, like, when I looked at it, it just blew my mind because I hadn't seen a lot of books house, you know, comic books outside of Marvel and DC and like maybe a little bit of image, but it was just like so different. And it wasn't about, you know, superheroes. It wasn't about saving the day. And like I said, you know, I had limited options as a kid. So if I read a comic book, usually that's what it was. Um, so I was able to see that there was more to Western comics than like, like I said, so Brian Azzarello as a writer, I thought, you know, when I was reading it, it was really interesting and to see, like, uh, like what uh, the first volume takes place in Chicago. And so he had, you know, characters, and they would talk about stuff that was here and use, like, local slang and things like that. It seemed, like, very interesting and very cool. Um, and I liked just the way that, you know, I liked the way that the characters and the story played out in 100 Bullets, like the conspiracies and the twists and the backstabbing and things like that, like things I couldn't, it just seemed really complex to me that I, at the time I didn't think I would be able to do. Um, and I liked, uh, you know, I liked Fable because it was just a completely different, so they're really interesting concepts. So I think um, uh, that was Bill Willingham. I think, yeah, I liked his stuff, but I... I, I just thought those were, like, really interesting uh, characters. I think that was the thing that always drew me with a lot of those books were just really interesting characters and, and really unique concepts that, like, I would have never thought of or maybe I wouldn't have been able to weave the stories the way they did. Um, but I think when I was, yeah, sorry, but I think when I was getting back into comics, it was always, like, I had this thing where uh, I would say, like, uh, Brian Azzarello, Brian Michael Bendis and Brian K. Vaughn with Why the Last Man. And I was like, it was like three bald guys named Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really liked their stuff. And then, like I said, I liked Sable and I liked the Willingham stuff, but like it didn't fit because his name wasn't Brian and I don't think he was bald. Um, <laughs> well, Fable is definitely a favorite of my wife's. Yeah, that, yeah, it was a really enjoyable, uh, you know, book. Uh, so there were those, and I think. A lot of the stuff that really inspired me was also, like, uh, animation. Like, I really liked uh, animation growing up, so I'd say, like, um, like I liked uh, Cowboy Bebop. I don't know why, but that really made me want to be a better writer. Like, when I read that in high school, I think that was what made me want to write. Like, that made me want to be a, a writer, and then um, when I finally saw that I could write something like visually because I don't know why but as a kid I didn't think I could write comics I thought I, I could write prose but I didn't really know how to get into writing comic books um and for some reason I was working on a story and I was like oh this would look better if I could make it that people could see what I was you know describing or I could just show them and then I stumbled across uh I stumbled across an article or, or a link to the message board on like wizard the wizard magazine I think that's how I found my way onto that message board. 
and once like I saw like somebody else's script and how they formatted and wrote a script, I was like, oh, I could do that, and that kind of helped me get into it. But um, just the stuff that the writers on like Cowboy Bebop did, I thought was really good, and just the way that that looked and the way that it, the world that was built within that also made me want to be a writer, like but that sort of story. Um, a lot of sorry, yeah, I'm going on like wild tangents, but I hey, had a lot of we love it, well, good different influences. Now, uh, for now, for our listeners who are not completely familiar, Wizard was a magazine during the explosion of the comic book industry that dealt entirely with stories about comic book artists and comic book writers and the issues and things that were coming up and associated things. And they would run uh, they would run contests. I remember participating in one that you could win every single Magic the Gathering card if you just happened to send enough stuff to them. It was it was a scavenger contest. And at that point I was uh, I was hugely into magic. And so I decided that I'm gonna win this contest. I looked at the lists like I've got half this stuff in my house. So it shouldn't be too hard to do it. I got everything but like three or four items and the three or four items that I couldn't get, I sent an explanation how you can't actually get them. They wanted a Mexican jumping bean. It's out of season. Mm-hmm. You can't get them. They're yeah. they're just not there. You know, things like that. And I didn't win. <laughs> it was disheartening. Yeah, Wizard was like a where like a a very accessible magazine in the sense that I remember we'd go to the grocery store uh, and my mom and dad will walk around the grocery store and buy groceries for an hour, but I'd just go over to the rack where the magazines were and there would be Wizard. And I could sit and read through yeah. all the stuff that was in there. And they would do their thing and I would sit and waste time over there. It's great. I like that kind oh, of Oh, yeah, part. most definitely. And I think that also helped like, with the accessibility with just like you could find a Wizard magazine. Like I could find it at like a Walgreens or I could find it, you know, I could find it any, anywhere roughly. Um, and I think that for a little while, like when we could when like we could afford it, I think like I subscribed for a little bit. I think I might have had it, like got one of the like I think it was like a year subscription. Um, I think it was like I couldn't remember how much it was, but it wasn't too much that I could convince my mom like to let me have the subscription. Because um, I had a ton. I remember I had a ton of them. I had a box full of them. Um, I found them like this was years ago, but. I, yeah, I, it was a really, it was a really good uh, magazine just to get kids into comics and see like the people who make the books and you know delve a little bit deeper into you know what happens behind the scenes because I didn't know what any of the artists or writers looked like I didn't know their names or you know like some of the people I might not have known their names as a kid I didn't look at the credits at first I didn't that's not what I was there for yeah um, but. You know, then it's like I could see people's names, like, because they had, like, the top ten, they had, like, top ten lists. It was, like, the top ten writers and artists. And, I, I mean, I remember it was, like, I think Jim Lee was at the top a lot. So it's like I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And then if I saw his art, I'd be like, oh, he was the guy that was doing X-Men. Of course he's, like, at the top. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I really enjoyed that type of magazine. It was really helpful. Yeah, they don't really have anything quite like that now. I mean, you can get a lot of the information that you need from the internet from a variety of places, including, mm-hmm. including like uh, Comic Vine. It's very popular. By the way, you may want to contact them. They have misspelled your name. But, <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, you know, you get more like a YouTube. 
nowadays. Like, you know, I, I like listening to the comics explained uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Rob. I'm, I'm forgetting his last name at the moment. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's kind of the, the current link to a very similar feel. In fact, I've been trying to contact Rob to get him to come onto the show. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> been unsuccessful thus far. Well, I think I, I think the uh, like the video aspect of it. So you know, lately, as even one of the subjects of our podcast that we do is uh, comics in the movies, which can I mean, there's just tons of different types of movies that are actually based on comic books. Is there something out there mm-hmm. that um, you've read, you've seen uh, now? We can't be biased. So besides your comic books, right? Because we want you know we want yours to be in TV shows and movies. Is there something out there that you have read that you're like, man, this would be so good as a movie or a TV show, and it's not there yet? Um, that's deep. Um, because I was gonna say like there's a like a, well, a book that I really liked that I had uh, that. Actually, it was really helpful, but a book I really liked, but it got me into a movie with I Kill Giants. Like I thought, mm. I thought that would make a really, a really good like animated film. I thought it was like just because of the style that of the book, the art style of uh, what's the artist? I can't remember. Uh, Jake, I think it's Jake Nomura. Uh, like the art style just made it look like, oh, if this was a cartoon film, it would be amazing. And it was a live action film, and I thought it was really good. Um, I don't know. Like I always like. Back in the day, I was trying. I always wanted like a, a hundred bullet series. I thought that would be a really good type of show to have. Um, yeah, definitely have to be that, TV. Yeah, you know, like that Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, massive cast. Anybody can die. Betrayals type thing. I mean, it doesn't have like monsters and dragons and zombies uh, or White Walkers, but. You know, but it had that, you know, massive ensemble cast and you could have like multiple seasons type thing. But um, I don't know. Like, yeah, outside of that, I, I haven't ha- I haven't seen anything that I think, man, this should be a show. And it's like not in production or something right now. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of shows I've, I've looked at or I've, like I've seen like they're like, oh, this is going to be a show now. And I'm like, oh, OK, never mind. So. <laughs> Yeah, big big jump lately. That's that's like that. It's pretty crazy. We when, well, we've been talking mm-hmm. about it a little bit. We're still in the 1990s on our history of comic book movies. Uh, once we uh, get once we get into the 2000s, it starts to really just spike the number of uh, <laughs> the number of entries that you get. Um, okay, well maybe oh, yeah. maybe the question should be not what do you wish has uh, to be made into it of the things that have come out in the last few years what are some of your favorites that have come out in uh, movies are you more on the side of uh, marvel doing a good job with the movies uh do you like the dc stuff what's uh, what do you think what's what's been some of your favorites i mean like i think when it comes to like my favorite most recently, I think it would have to be Into the Spider-Verse. Like, I just really liked that movie. Uh, it was really well animated, really well done. I liked the story. Um, I'd, I'd always wanted to see more animated comic book films just because I felt like the crossover would be a lot better. Yeah. It would be a lot 
not easier in terms of like budget and man hours and things, but just it just makes so much sense. It translates, like, and it always, yeah, it, it always just like blew my mind because like growing up, at, you know, DC had all the great cartoons. Like, I mean, I liked the X Men cartoon a lot, and I liked Spider Man, but like Batman the animated series was just like on another level. And then like even Superman and Justice League and uh, Teen Titans and like all those shows, like DC had all the cartoons. And while they had animated like series, I never like they had animated films. A lot of them just went straight to video, or they were straight to like uh, like video on demand, or they were on streaming services. But like I think the only one outside of recently that DC did was like Master the Phantasm, mm. and I was always like, man, there should be more stuff. Like they should do more big screen stuff, and maybe it just for the people, like the executives or whatever, maybe it just didn't make sense. But to me, I was always like, why don't we get more stuff like that? Like, oh yeah. Um, so I always, so I was like really excited to see, you know, uh, into the Spider Verse, and you know, I, I, I just, I just really enjoyed it. Um, you know, because I'm trying to think of what I've seen, because I, like I said, I like, I like, like I enjoy the Marvel movie. Um, but it's just a lot. <laughs> so I, I, I try not to like go to all of them. Like when I was younger, uh, like my dad was really into, like, we would go to every comic book movie, like every single one. So we went to all of them. So we went to see Daredevil. We went to see Punisher. We went to see, I think yeah, we went to see Ghost Rider. Um, and we went and saw like most of the MCU movies, like Iron Man and, and, uh, all the way up to, I think we went and saw First Avenger, and then I think that might have been the last movie I saw before I went to Japan, I think. And then because Avengers came out in 2012. Like, yeah. came out, like, May 2012. And I remember that because, you know, me and my dad had seen all the movies, and then when I left, he was seeing all the movies leading up to the Avengers. Um, but unfortunately, he passed away, like, in March. So he didn't get to see the Avengers. Um, but I like but like I said, but after that it was just so many movies. I really, you know, and I liked I liked uh the Guardians movies. I liked the Guardians of the Galaxy. I liked the first one. Those were super I liked the fun. Second one too. I like hmm? They were super fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like those. I think around like maybe Age of Ultron I started pulling back on seeing like all of them. Because I was like, okay, this is, this is like these these things are making like billions, of, like a billion dollars. I don't need to go to every single one. Um, and so I kind of like I'll go and see ones like I, I'm more pulled into the ones that are like one-offs. You know, like uh, you know, like seeing like maybe see Ant Man or maybe see like uh, Captain Marvel or maybe see something like that. But I don't go to every single one now because it's like it, it gets to a point where it's just like. Man, I, I don't have the, the the patience to sit in the theater like every few months, kind of thing. Um, and then I, I don't know. I went and saw a couple of DC films, but I, I was just never a not like I'm not a fan of Zack Snyder, but it was just never my thing. Like the the visuals of it, and so it's like if that's not my thing, 
and he was doing all the big one, all the big movies. It was like, well, why, why would I go if, yeah. that, if I know that that's not what I'm into? Um, but I, you know, I went to Suicide Squad, and I mean, I enjoyed it. I think I didn't hate it as much as I feel like some people do. Like I could see like really good parts in it, but then I could also see parts that I really wish were better. And there were, but I, I don't know. I, I'm. I'd like to see more stuff from DC that, you know, is better. A different <laughs> visually. Yeah. Like, like the different visually. Cause it's like, it's hard. Like, cause I said, it's like, if you're not into like Zack Snyder's style, that was like three of the movies of however many movies that have come out so far. So it's like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go in like, yeah, you're, you're, why would you go? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, if, if you didn't like that style, like, why would you go, you know, see the rest of them? Um, but, like, yeah, like, I liked Suicide Squad because it looked, it looked different than the other movies. Um, like, I enjoyed Wonder Woman. Uh, and, you know, I, I might go see Shazam. I don't know if I'm going to go see Shazam, but it looks good. I like, uh, was it Zach, Zach Levy, Zach Levi? Zachary Levi, I, yeah. I like his stuff. Yeah, Zachary Levi. I like him. I, you know, I used to watch Chuck. Um, so I, I, and, but I, I, I don't have like, I'm not one of those people where it's like one or the other. No. I just like to feel like good films. Um, and I, but I also am trying to limit my, like going to, like, if it's like going to tons of films, cause it just, yeah, it can, I think in some ways it can like wear you down you can get exhausted just from going just having to go and to be like with marvel having to keep up with like every movie because there's an after credit scene that ties in with this and it ties in with this it's like sometimes i just want to see the movie you know. <laughs> yeah. that's what you get the amc pass for that's true <laughs> i'm kind of with you on the animated stuff though too like the the dc animated movies are just fantastic so good and they they did one the death of Superman and then the reign of the Superman as like a two movie thing and I think that was in very limited release in theaters like you couldn't go anywhere and watch it but you could see it in a lot of cities but those yeah. things are just killer I wish those were more hmm. I wish those were more accessible other than you have to go and buy the Blu-ray for it you know yeah yeah. Exactly, and I think, yeah, that's what kills me, because I'm like, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, is this known for animation, um, like, or at least when, yeah, when I was growing up, it was like, like a lot of stuff was Warner Brothers stuff, it's like, you see Buck, or I don't know as much anymore, but like, Buck's Bunny used to come out from behind the Warner Brothers thing, so it's like, you guys do animation, Disney does animation, why aren't there more, you know, you own these massive comic book companies, it's like, why don't you do these two things that seemingly should mesh well together. Like, why don't you put them on these big platforms? Like, cause I went and saw the Teen Titans Go movie. Like, cause I like Teen Titans Go. Like, and I, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I thought it was funny. It was just a goofy movie. And it like, you know, and it did well. Like, I mean, what, I think it made like, like $50 million or something like, which is more than, you know, you'd expect it to be for like a TV show. You know, like a Cartoon Network little mm-hmm. cartoon that you know feature length film. Yeah, that that cartoon evolved. 
right? A little, well, sort of. It, it was it was goofy. Then went to like cartoony goofy, right? Well, the, but it, that was two different. Well, there was Teen Titans. There's Teen, Teen Titans, Titans Go. and Teen Titans Go. But it's like the same voices, same character, same collect, like. But it just yeah. it evolved. It's fun. I like that show. I like that cartoon. Yeah, too much fun. Yeah, because it's like you know, because I was explaining it to somebody, and I was like, it's kind of like. Like, Teen Titans Go! is kind of like, it's always funny in a way, because the characters, like, the way that they do the characters, like, they're not, like, great. Like, the characters are terrible, and they do, like, they're not heroic in a lot of ways. No. And they're, like, doing schemes, like, those characters, and it's always funny, or they have these weird schemes, or they're doing pyramid schemes, or they're, they become slumlords, or whatever, like, they do all these weird things and it's just so random and it's i don't know it it reminds me of like you know the old cartoons like animaniacs and stuff like it's just so wacky it's just so bizarre and i i don't know i know i think a lot of people gave it grief because it was it wasn't the teen titans proper cartoon like the one that came out like back in 2004 but i'm like yeah but that show still exists i mean it sucks it didn't get a get the closure but I mean, it still exists and it's still good and it's still there. Um, and this is something just different, goofy, like a different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. DC yeah. Muppet Babies. <laughs> it's true. One of my yeah. yeah, my favorite episodes is when they do the booty scooty. <laughs> I mean, come on, you can't take yeah. it seriously, you know. Well, yeah. here's we're getting close to the end. I don't want to miss the chance, just in case. Do you have any okay. projects that you're working on that you kind of want to talk about, that you want to plug, that you're excited about working on? Um, I am working on a new series. Um, still, It's still in the development. I mean, it's being written, but uh, it's called Mega Centurion. Um, like, I, I have, like the, like, the first issue is finished, but the second issue is getting close to finished. And it's a new book that I, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit different from, you know, Secrets and Shadows and Clusterfuck, so it's not completely like either of those. Um, And it's kind of a Power Rangers type story, but very different. Like, or like it talks about it's about these three heroes, and they were called the Mega Centurions, and they were essentially like these young heroes that you know fought aliens and had a giant mech and all that stuff. Um, and basically what happens is they, you know, they basically go and they fight the evil emperor of the alien race or whatever, or the prince of this alien race, and they win, right? They save the day. But what happens is um, they lose their powers, and they can't prove that they're the Mega Centurions. So everyone thinks the Mega Centurions are dead, but they're alive, and they can't prove it. So, like, they have to deal with the fallout of you know, what happens if you're, like, a young superhero uh, in that aspect of, like, they have to leave school to fight aliens. They have to, you know, leave their families to fight aliens, you know, and kind of have to, like, ditch people, you know, because they're trying to save people's lives and, and just dealing with the fallout of that. So now they're, like, like, a little bit older, and they're just living these rough lives. And, like, it was, like, you know, I kind of would tell people it's, like, they saved the world, but now they can't pay rent. Um, and it's, so it's kind of about them, or at least the first issue is more about their struggle. Like one of them works at a, is a waitress at a restaurant. One of them is a telemarketer. One of them works at a gas station and they're just kind of dealing with that frustration, that frustration of like, 
watching people mourn the heroes, and they can't prove that that's them. So they're not getting the rewards for all their sacrifices. Um, and it, it morphs into something a little bit lighter, but it starts out a bit heavy, like, just so you know, like, what they're going through. Um, but it, it's, it's, my plan is it's only going to be, like, four issues. Hopefully the first issue I can put out, um, you know, around the summer, uh, we'll see. But uh, it was something I wanted to do with something different. It was something a little bit, uh, something a little bit new, just new for me. Uh, so, yeah, it's a book I'm looking forward to. It's, uh, the artist is Dexter Wee, who did Secrets and Shadows with me. And um, the colorist is, uh, he also worked on Secrets and Shadows, but he did, like, the grayscaling. His name is Kotek Carbajal. Uh, the letterer is a guy, his name is uh, Christian Dokolomansky. And the editor is, the editor I use for most of my stuff, his name is Stephen Forbes. Um, and, you know, it should be a good book. I, I've, I've sold uh, some previews. I had some previews at the conventions. I had some at NWICon. I had some at C2E2. And the cover seemed to catch people's eyes. So hopefully they'll, people will enjoy it. Well, I certainly hope so. Fun. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on to our show and talking with us for a little while. And hopefully in the future here, we'll get a chance to catch up when everything just kind of blows up and becomes huge. And you're going to be this massive star. And you will say, hey, the Pudding Guys, they had me on. And now that everybody knows my name, we got to come back on the show. and uh... <laughs> Give them roles in the TV show, right? You know, right. basic stuff. Just a little Nothing crazy. On. Yeah. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. Well, excellent. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thank you.